Namaste. So when we look at this world, uh, on one side we are impressed by its stupendous vastness and creativity both. It is as if an extremely creative artist filled with imagination was throwing out colors and paintings, almost a riot of colors and paintings. This part is okay, but when it comes to our own self-experience, then we realize that not everything in this painting seems to be good. There are also dangerous things. There are things which you just can't reconcile with the idea of a divine who is all-merciful, all-kind, all-loving, all-powerful, all-knowledge. It doesn't reconcile with that. Especially for the vital, it goes through life starts constructing with its imagination a beautiful world. Everybody, by the time one is adolescent, one has some kind of an idealistic idea of world. But as we go through it, this ideal is tested on the crucible of hard facts. And most often than not, people either become disappointed, frustrated, they accept things just as they are, or worse still, they become cynics. And then when the mind seeing all this searches for, is there anything greater, anything deeper, anything truer? It searches for a sure ground because all the grounds on which it was constructing seemed to collapse. So it turns inward in search of a reality. It finds some peace, some deeper joy, some sense and purpose. But then when it looks back at this world with its ever-changing appearances, which are both good, bad, uh, pleasant, painful, indifferent, it has a tendency to declare it as illusion. What has that got to do with it? So this is the, uh, what should be the reveal sin, this problem of cosmic illusion. Now to a materialist, this is not a problem. Materialist says, yes, it's an illusion. Because actually from a strictly material point of view, there is nothing, it's just electrical charges floating in space. Uh, who made time and space? The materialist says, I have nothing to do with it. I can tell you the processes Given that there is space and time, given that there is few atoms, somehow they have come into this, you know, this cosmic existence. And the rest I can explain through step by step by the play of forces. He says, I am not concerned with that. But to any uh, rational thinker, any person who, who, is, who wants to seek a meaning in this world, this cannot satisfy. So there have been those who have tried to see behind the veil of appearances. And they have come up with many of the theories about what this whole drama is about. And one of them, I mean, it's easy to say it's a drama staged by the one and, you know, you are playing a role. And it's okay as long as the role is good and everything is wonderful. But sometimes the role can be all a blood-stained bath in mud. It's not a very, you know, uh, it's a very disconcerting scene for the eyes. And for even the nervous being in us for the ethical and moral being in us. So that part we have spoken of last time, the problem of the divine and the undivine. But then those who went behind, they often used an analogy called dream. It's a dream. Well, uh, normally there is a tendency just to accept these things because someone has said it's a dream. But the analogy of dream doesn't quite apply because dream is generally incoherent. 
dream doesn't have a continuity dream you can't make sense of what's happening even when you remember a dream it's like there is a dream here and a dream there and next night it's a different dream so there is discontinuity in a dream and there is incoherence in a dream unlike um in our uh, you know cognate so called outer existence where we have there is a certain degree of continuity so when i wake up in the morning i have the same place where i wake up by and large i have the same work to do it's not like it has vanished so this there is some kind of a coherence my reason can make out so we can't say that it's just a dream like another dream that will be inaccurate incorrect so there is there are these two states of consciousness one is waking and one is a dream state then should be that great length reveals to us suddenly the secret of what dream is so ordinary dreams what really is dream dream is when we withdraw from the surface consciousness and a similar phenomena we see in trance we see in hypnosis and when we withdraw into our from the surface consciousness it can happen even in waking state in fantasies so people withdraw from the surface and they are in their own world but except that in fantasy we are the authors of our fantasy and therefore there is some kind of a linking because the rational mind will not make a very incoherent jumble of things but in the dream world this is missing so as we withdraw from the surface waking consciousness there is a little doorway there is a um sinkhole <laughs> so through that we enter into the subconscious now what is subconscious subconscious is a repository of everything it's like a chitragupt that's how i often say chitragupt who records everything so subconscious is the hidden camera okay the hidden camera records everything passing thought passing feeling momentary impulse everything we have forgotten we have not even taken cognizance of it all that we see that's why pratyahar is one of the practices prescribed in the gita in patanjali's yog sutra because otherwise you are constantly bombarded and we our mind selects a narrow little spectrum what is necessary for it but everything that we are experiencing is going inside the subconscious the moment we go into the subconscious there is a mass store of phenomena from which it's a jumble from which we pick up things and subconscious all that is discarded from the waking goes into the subconscious which includes illnesses here shubhendra doesn't speak out that's why illnesses tend to become chronic especially doctors i'm sorry to say but you know every time you go to a doctor every time you go to renew a prescription every time you know it they like you are you have this you have this so it goes so strongly in the subconscious mind it's such a strong imprint it's very difficult to take it out and then of course all the collective suggestions go into the subconscious but subconscious itself is not the originator it constructs and all its constructions are chaotic because subconscious is a place where things are just rapidly dumped it's like you know you go into your house you see kachra you don't know when you'll clear it so there is a store backyard not a good practice but one throws 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 and one waits one day i'll clear it that one day probably never comes so it remains and time to time something of it throws up in dream very incoherent that is the reason why it is incoherent but below the subconscious there is the inconscient if you look at this world it's built up from as if from inconscient this is a mechanical energy which is bringing out this seemingly vast appalling universe this fantastic world so inconscient is the other side of the creator and um, you know which not only brings up things it brings all kinds of suggestions you know there are times when in sleep we get a suggestion of being ill we wake up with an illness so that's where uh, you know just as we have a, we have heard about devi maya the higher divine maya and it's um, uh, 
uh, you know, it becomes the avidyamai. So we have vidyamai and avidyamai maya. There is also an adverse asuric and rakshasic maya. It creates an extreme sense of division. In fact, at one place, the mother says, when you make a division between Shurabindu and the mother, and when you create a division between the mother there and this mother here, it's all the play of an adverse Asurik Maya. So this Maya creates, it puts a veil, it wants the reign of darkness to prolong, and uh, therefore things, the subconscious is impelled by it to throw up things which are of a, often of a very uh, adverse nature. But subconscious is not the only thing. Subconscious can pick up every daytime images. You have had a heavy meal. In, in, in night, you may get a nightmare. Simply because subconscious understanding is like that. Subconscious is not registered a tasty dish. It will register that also. But overall impact is that, oh, my stomach is heavy and let me go to sleep. Now subconscious says, yes, yes, I know. I'll tell you how heavy is it. And suddenly you experience all kinds of bhut pishach, you know, coming up. That is because the subconscious is... Uh, you know, throwing up these things in the form of an image. The power of constructing them is coming from the inconscient. Subconscious itself doesn't construct. It supplies images which have gone into it. But apart from that, when we withdraw, we can also enter into the subliminal. Subliminal literally means below the threshold of awareness. Subliminal. So, in this, we have a subliminal vital, subliminal mental, subliminal physical. We have already touched upon it. But basically, the subliminal has access to a much greater data. So, for instance, in the daytime, you met someone. And the person thought about you in a certain way. You didn't know or you didn't care. Now, the subliminal can open to that and you can see it in a dream. Literally, a person is coming with a dagger to kill you. Now, it's not exactly the person didn't think that he'll take a dagger and kill you but you have uh, the person is very angry but outwardly the person has not spoken these words or revealed like this but in the dream uh, you can see a person coming that person coming with a dagger and kill you so subliminal can give you access to data which otherwise the waking mind doesn't have it can also reveal to us things from the past which are uh, more accurate images than the way we perceive them it can also give us pre-monetary dreams of the future. We have taken some examples of that already. So I won't repeat it. But it can tell us dreams about the future. And it can sometimes take uh, form of a string of thoughts. Um, I remember at least one experience which I can share. Running high fever just before my MD selection exam and I was having high fever. And during that state in dream state, I actually experienced a 16-line poetry and it was such a wonderful poetry and I am addressing to the Lord that I am your Dasi and Gopi and I am I just love you like a mad woman and I was wondering <laughs> later on how am I a woman and after that uh, when I woke up I tried to capture but I couldn't capture anything not even a word I could capture but in the uh, in that dream experience it was so real and I even remember 16 lines 4-4 four, four lines like that it was so wonderful and I had thought that I'll write it down, but everything was forgotten. I tried to remember it. And there have been people who have written poems like that. Sometimes it may not be lines like that, but maybe just a phrase, just a, a word sometime, which can be very illustrative. Somebody's name you may get in the dream state. Kekul discovered the benzene ring formula. So again, dream analogy doesn't apply because in dreams we see some kind of truth also can reveal itself. So if this world is unreal... Uh, aka dream then the problem is that in dream you sometimes see things which are future real at least they take place so 
how can we use this analogy accurately unless we say that there is a reality even in dream so in the subliminal we see um, we receive from the superconscious from the subconscious and from the universal and these also can throw up as dream images but if we pass till deeper as invariably happens during a uh, deeper sleep we enter into a state called as dreamless sleep now dreamless sleep is not that there is no dream but usually it is uh, now we cannot register what is happening in that passage uh, we are as if taken blindfolded so things are happening but we don't register and then passing either through the dipping into the patal ganga subconscious and then emerging out of it or through the subliminal we touch that core within us for few moments Uh, that is the core the sachitananda the divine principle in creation and having touched that those few minutes uh, actually restore us and if those few minutes are not granted this whole passage to sachitananda actually for somebody may take just 10 minutes but well we don't know the route so it takes a long period <laughs> but anyway sleep is still required because it needs to restore our nerves sleep is a restorative process it's the time when um, the car is given to the mechanic every day for a thorough wash for repair for all that you know takes place so shubhendra explains all these things in this whole idea of cosmic illusion can we really call it a um, illusion like a dream he says no you cannot call it that it is like a dream because there are lot of differences between dream and this so we can say that there is a waking experience of things which shocks our senses shocks our idea of reality and we can also say that there is an experience in the dream world which is very different from this one and it's very difficult to say where are all these images coming from what constructs are they now for the next level we have to still go deeper and their reason cannot help us because reason is confined to the constructs of the senses so mind must go deeper mind must go higher and then we discover a still deeper reality and that reality is what yogis mystics experience a state of self absorption into the blissful state of the infinite the trance state as it's commonly called of course that state can be there even in the waking state mother and shubindu speak about it but ordinarily it is uh, experience when we withdraw still deeper and deeper by quietening the vital and the mind into a deeper regions and then we experience that state so then the question again arises and that he takes up in the next chapter so if that is the reality there we experience what is our idea of what reality should be an ideal state where everything is so there is beauty and bliss and love and everything there is a plenitude of knowledge then when we come back so there is again this disparity so what are these two different states which we experience so he explains the relation between that reality and the cosmic illusion so that's the next chapter but here again we have different theories one is that for some reason and these three can be understood in terms of uh, i mean it's neither uh, you know it's it should be taken with a pinch of salt this analogy which so it's the relation between a man and a woman or a husband and a wife so there are three possible relations one is the man is completely subservient to the woman so whatever she says he does so meaning thereby brahman is completely subjugated by maya whatever maya imposes brahman dreams brahman experiences because there has to be a percipient consciousness of all this but the problem is the moment we say brahman is true then how can it experience something which is untrue 
In fact, within a moment it should collapse, like a magic building undone. And if it is true, then the other way we can explain it that this superimposes itself completely. So he is helpless. He 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 knows that this is an illusion, but yet he allows it to continue. So this is the other problem. And uh, of course, Shubhendra also discusses as an aside another parallel phenomena, hallucination. But we we can talk about it a little later. And the third possible, second possibility is that the two coexist. Brahman is true; he is the percipient, and he perceives it, but he says it's okay. It is there, and the two exist co- side by side, coexist. And the third is where Brahman is the one, the absolute truth, and he it is his Maya which has come into existence. But again, we come back to the same question: if it is his Maya, why all this is allowed? It again doesn't answer. So there are several positions people have taken. One of them is Shankara's famous, you know, uh, um, illusionism, which is a kind of qualified illusionism. It is the most, uh, um, all credit to him, mighty intellect, one of the most mighty after Buddha. Of course, I am not bringing in Shurabindo because that is beyond everything. So it is a kind of qualified understanding that, well, there is a kind of relative temporal truth in this world, and the Brahman enters into it, and therefore. Something of that Brahman experiences it, and that's how there is the cognate experience of this world. And when it withdraws, this whole thing ends. So the whole logical thing is to withdraw from this kind of a nightmarish experience and withdraw into the Brahman. To that extent, he at least explains that why there is who is the experiencing consciousness within this. It is Brahman, but it acts both, being out of it. As well as as an individual consciousness subservient to it, so it is um, to an extent explains things. But again, it leaves the same question: Why did it enter into it at all? Why after it withdraws? Uh, what is all this? I mean, whole painful drama, suffering, all that he doesn't explain. Traditionally, it is explained on the theory of karma, but we'll talk about it much later in Shyamvindo's um, chapter when we come to that chapter. So another allegory um, experiences of hallucination. So what is hallucination? There are two types. One is that where the senses give us a wrong report. So there is something, and the senses conjure something else. So that is one kind of hallucination. All the senses. It can be auditory, visual, any field. So this one. Second is where the mind constructs images and throws it as if it's an objective reality. So that's a mental hallucination. Basically, mind taking as the sixth sense. Uh, these are two types of hallucination. But again, even in these hallucinations, they are not unreal completely. There is something which is there, which either the senses take as the data, initial data, as starting point. So there is a reality which takes this form. This is what we ultimately go uh, go to that point, and we cannot understand it. Why? Because our mental consciousness is limited. It is part of the, whatever we call it, the bubble of Maya. Mind is itself a construct of Maya. In fact, it is ignorant. It is part of the avidya Maya. So, as long as we remain in this avidya Maya, mental ignorance, our mind can construct theories, take positions, but it can never find the definitive answer. 
even when it enters the field of spiritual experience because that we saw last time that up to the overmind the division continues even in overmind we can experience either nirgun brahm or sagun brahm we can experience even before that many people there is a whole zone between the human mind and the overmind and beyond it the plenary truth consciousness in which it can experience that bliss of the infinite it can enter through any of these gaps but it experiences this world in waking state and it cannot understand it so it cannot find the link so basically even when people had the spiritual experience or they can experience the reflection of that truth in some ground of mind so they feel that stillness that silence that beatitude but again there is another experience which superimposes itself or juxtaposes itself so this is the great puzzle that shurbinda has set out to solve here and this puzzle at the end we realize that unless we identify with the consciousness of the creator we can never understand and this consciousness of the creator is where the supermind is but there also this puzzle takes um, becomes uh, something very profoundly mystic the upanishads tried to explain it so we have the whole um, understanding of the of, in the upanishads of chatushpad brahman fourfold brahman so what is fourfold brahman there is one which is absolute absolute there is it is you cannot define it describe it ineffable anirvachniya it cannot be spoken of cannot even be understood nothing it is that absolute absolute not absolute in terms of relative absolute in terms of relative it is the final but absolute absolute it has nothing to do with anything neither with creation or anything but then the second status of this brahman is where it becomes a mass of superconscious light in which the seed of creation is there that's second status so it becomes pragya transcendent but it holds within itself all the seeds where is it drawn from obviously from its one continuity but then there is if you enter into that status there are no seeds nothing it's completely unmanifest but he out of himself creates this and that pragya draws that superconscious light draws from itself so there are two ways we understand superconscious one is this pragya in which one can go in a state of complete immobility of mass of light this is experience rarest of the rare most often the word is loosely used to refer to anything above the human mind meaning thereby in that spiritual mind zone there are experiences which are beautiful which are luminous we enter into sun tracts of wisdom moon tracts of delight as it tells says in savitri and it's very easy to mistake them for the ultimate experience and stop there and even start a cult a religion even become a guru because it's one understand this is at last i have a nice lovely hill station to rest so time to time one comes says look there is a lovely hill station come here but there is a quota there is a selection it can't accommodate everybody so each cult picks up few of them goes to their own hill station because there are several hill stations like that in the higher ranges of, i mean in over mind each each aspect becomes an empire so we have so many cults religions where each one takes to their own heaven 
because they are like that but it doesn't solve the cosmic puzzle <laughs> why this state so they don't bother about it they say it is there it is painful it's suffering yes we understand it but we have a solution now most people are in a haste to cut the gorgian knot remember that story of alexander whoever will cut the knot will become the emperor so he cuts the gorgian knot he says what is there this puzzle i don't need to solve this puzzle it's a knot you have to open he says why open takes the sword and cuts it so we are in a haste when somebody comes and says look at this life it's so meaningless so much suffering so full of pain so sir what do you have to offer convert come into my side i'll offer you heaven or beatitude okay done after that why you understand mathapachi you know why but then there are some luminously mad people shubhendra describes them very interestingly a hardcore and inveterate idealist or a soul missioned from the higher existence who will never give up and who will continue to strive and struggle against thousand difficulties these kinds of beings will say no no my own liberation my own entering into that heaven is not enough i want this creation to become beautiful so basically shubhendra's yoga is meant for that kind of a you know he will describe it will read <laughs> it's a very beautiful passage who is ready to struggle with all the darkness all the imperfections so this is how uh, and in that fourfold uh, brahman so from that mass of superconscious light third where it enters into the dream state that's our subjective self thoughts feelings wills impulses all the images imagination that's the world hiranyagarbha uh, or taijasa so in that state there are several layers through which it passes and then a selection of bit comes into the waking state now this waking is not like waking up from a sleep <laughs> waking state is where it has entered into the outermost grossest experience who has entered brahman has entered that is the beauty of it chatushpad brahman who is experiencing this old man this in the blush of a girl in the beauty of woman in the strength of a man it is the one that's how shubhendra describes in the old man who is passing by her side in the little child who is laughing in the rolling of the waves in the spinning of the galaxies who is there brahman he has entered into this vast outer field as virat and behind it stands taijasa or hiranyagar depending upon the system which is the subtle state the dream state so behind the waking the dream state dream state is a state of formation from where things will precipitate into the outer it's a subtle state behind the dream state is sushupti or sleep why it is called sleep actually it is a waking but we cannot remain awake the our normal consciousness that's why if we sleep while reading the life divine it's much better than reading a novel because we can remain awake because when we read the life divine and sleep it means our consciousness is withdrawing inward and upward entering through a dream world of all kinds of images and eventually entering into susupti and beyond the susupti is that of which nothing can be said so this is the entire um, experience he describes and then he comes to this and knowledge and ignorance so why they are there 
So, what we call ignorance is essentially the Brahman experiencing himself as a itself as a limited consciousness, but yet uh, he doesn't lose himself into it. But the jiva can identify completely and lose with it. And we have this uh, example which I have used earlier of the finger and the person. Let's take our own body. It's a very good way to understand it. If finger hurts, so what do I say? Uh, I say, oh it is hurting me. Hurting you, it's hurting my finger. Then you can go still further. The entire nervous system and inside which you don't see at all. But normally we say it's my finger is hurting here. That's the outer. But this entire channel, the whole cosmos inside, blood vessel, nerves, everything, right up to the brain, which we don't see, but they are messengers both way. It's going to and fro, including my thought, my feelings, my will taking place because of this hurt, is the entire Brahman, the dream state. Behind it, me, located here. Now what has happened? It's me who has flown into this finger. And I say it is hurting. But equally I can say that my finger is hurting. A more accurate statement. And if we know the purpose through which it is passing, so we can take it one step further, the difference between reality and uh, knowledge, experiencing ignorance and experiencing in two different ways. So you go for an exercise. Be, why? Because you want to train your body. So next day, you have muscle pain. See how the perspective changes. So one thing is that, well, my muscles are paining. The other is, you know the purpose. I went for exercise. Now this purpose changes the entire perspective. If my muscles are paining, Randomly, if we don't know the real purpose, so we'll say, oh my God, I'm not going to go. But if you know the intent that I want to develop the muscles, so next you'll say, today I must do better. So you see the whole perspective changes. When we are in knowledge and play with ignorance, and when we are in ignorance, if you ask the muscle, muscle will say, why sir, you are bothering me? Why you are paining me? But, Ask, you know, there is an actual story of a military commando course during that time. So they do do all kinds of things. So somebody who was a commando was telling, he said, you know, three days, three nights, nothing to eat, nothing, 10 kilogram weight and we are walking through, 10 kilogram weight and we are walking through it with all this weight. So they come across, a, you know, ditch and suddenly... Uh, one of them falls and it's a very tough training you can pick up you know you don't know you, nothing food is not provided rationed water is there and you have to go through all this so he was telling that uh, while I was going and he is seeing that four persons in front of him have fallen in the ditch and he knows there is a ditch but they are so sleepy he is so sleepy and tired he is communicating this way, he says, my legs were telling me, sir, why are you being so cruel and doing this to me? And he is telling the legs, you know what, I chose for it. <laughs> you have to be carried along with me. And he says, knowing everything, I also fell in the ditch. And then others fell simultaneously. 
Why did the commander allow it? Because he knows today you do this, tomorrow you don't have to shed blood in the war. And what is this war? This is war at a cosmic level. So when we look at it, things from the point of view of knowledge, we understand the reason why ignorance is there. But what is the remedy? Remedy is to bring this, infuse this knowledge into every element, like speaking to the muscles, speaking to even this ego-constructed personality. Why we are going through this? So that with that, Shurabindu brings us to the next level. Memory, self-consciousness and the ignorance. So he explains what is memory. We all know memory and we still don't know memory. Scientists don't know memory. They don't know where memory resides. The fact is we don't know really. There are a lot of studies which have been done. People claim 100 things. There are some kinds of memory which reside in the brain. Okay, to that extent. But there are memories which are cellular memories. That's why there is a tendency for cells to replicate in a certain way. That's why you have a disease, it tends to recur. Cellular memory is there. Why? Because, oh, last time Corona Vata, one sneeze and the whole paraphernalia starts. There is memory in the cells. There is memory not only in the body, there is a mental memory. Have you seen that how we drive uh, mechanically things and suddenly we come to a point where we observe something and the mind has a different kind. Oh, this was. Because there is a mental memory which connects to an event. There is an emotional memory. Suddenly seeing somebody or something has happened and you know, you are entering into the, you know, or meeting someone. Before meeting, you are fine. But when you see the person, this memory brings back an emotional state which need not be there at all. It's nothing but memory bringing up something of the past. Right now there is nothing, but it brings out. There is of course all kinds of memories and Normally people believe uh, there is a tendency to feel that it's because of memory that we have the sense of self. Why? Because uh, I say I was that when I was five year old. Body has changed but who is this I? Who is so sure I am that? Or this present I am that. I will be that. So memory creates the ego but memory is only one mechanism. Memory is nothing but we are drawing you know, from the bank of time to string experiences together. But these experiences are many kinds. And in fact, there is a psychic memory which we can reclaim only when we step out of the ego. There is no other way we can reclaim it. All this idea that while remaining in ego, go into regression and whatever you conceive, it's entering into the subliminal and believing that, well, I have discovered my soul. That will be stretching it too far. It was so easy then all these psychiatrists will help us discover our souls. We don't need gurus and masters. <laughs> yes, we enter into the subliminal. And there are many formations. Something true can come up from the past, from the future. Many things can happen. And it helps also, incidentally. Because the mind, it helps the mind to understand that there is a reason for whatever is happening in my life. So if the mind says, oh, you know, you are afraid of fire because last life you had died of fire. Oh yes, now I won't be afraid. It's my past life experience and you are cured. It doesn't prove that actually you died of fire in the past life. It simply proves that it is, you have given the mind a reason. It's a powerful, uh, it has a powerful action. You know, that's why doctors who simply say, no, no, you take the medicine, you will be cured. It confuses the patient, doesn't know what, what's... But when you simply say, you know, you have got a little this thing, 
this is antibiotic, this is going to finish the bacteria. Oh, very good. That helps because, you know, you have any reason, doesn't matter. <laughs> Nobody really knows the true reason. So, memory is not the only thing which creates the ego self. So, Shubhinda says, it's memory is one action of the mind. How the ego self is created? There is a vast sea of all vibrations, current, zigzag going. Now, from childhood, we start picking up certain currents. Especially that which is in our atmosphere. It is bearing on our education and why sanskaras were so important. So we pick up certain things from the atmosphere. Here, there, tendencies, pravartis. Also, through the genes, we spoke about the indeterminate. So ultimately, that consciousness passes even into the seed of heredity. Because all is, that is determining and entering into the seed. So some traits, tendencies. So the child starts identifying, says, this is me. And then when the child grows up, by persistence of habit, we react to the same thing again and again in the same way. So there is a pattern. Habit of thought, habit of action, habit of feeling, habit of sensing things in a certain way. There are children who sleep, there is a village where there are plenty of snakes. And children grow up with that. They play with the snakes. There is no fear they experience. This is a real thing. In fantasy world, of course, you have asterisks and obelix. People who don't know what is fear. So they want to fight a war to experience fear. <laughs> but it is true that, you know, all this is conditioning of the mind. And the mind, now when we look at the mind, it makes, there are four aspects involved in it, in the formation of the ego. One is the subject. Who is the subject? The one who is experiencing. Then there is the object. Let's say somebody is getting angry or feeling a vibration of anger. Or there is a vibration of anger around. Then there is a movement. The mind can make two movements. One is, there is a movement of anger and it identifies with the anger and says, I am angry. See, the ego is now, I am angry. Or it can step back from the movement and let it pass. Like Ashwatthama when he used Narayani Astra. Sri Krishna said, bow down, let it pass. So it may pass away. Then you don't say, I am angry. You say, I am the witness to my anger. <laughs> this is also ego self, but... Uh, and fourth is the action. Based on identification, you act. If you are angry, you end up doing stupid things. Most stupid things are done when we are in a state of anger. It's the worst state to be in. Krodhat, Bhavati, Samoha. So we lose the self. And so, Or it can take a step back. When it takes a step back, then it entered into the, a kind of construct which is like a mental sense of me. And behind this mental sense of me, if we separate also from that, here the mind is a witness. But it cannot be fully a witness. There is something in it which is still perceiving it is anger. We are stepping back. But if we go one step further, we enter into the ego self. Really the ego comes there. The sense of separativeness. So this idea that by witnessing you will be freed. No sir, we just enter into a mental witness. Mental witness knows it is anger. It is actually an ignorant knowledge, but still, it it sees, but it decides and it becomes a witness. We enter into the mental self, the purusha of the mind. From there, we enter into the ego, ahankar, which is the principle of division. The sign of that is, I know I exist, but there is no awareness of the cosmos or anything around. It is a separative consciousness. And it is only when we come out of that that we experience the true self, the psychic entity within us. But that requires quietening the ego movement, the surface things and all that. 
That is the whole yoga is there. So while memory has a role to play, and especially in childhood, the things we expose our children to, it has a role to play. But this is still the ego construct, and behind it, that is the true self. And there are two very interesting phenomena Shrivindra speaks about. One is there are instances where you have a complete loss of memory. And there are two different personalities. There could be even many personalities. But there is no memory connecting the two. So there are instances, I have seen cases, where when one personality is active, it completely forgets. I know of a person who was a priest. And <laughs> when his other, one day he went on a leave, this priest completely changed. He married, he had children, all these things. Forgot he was a priest, totally forgot. There is no memory connecting. One day, suddenly realize somebody or the other met him and say, Oh my God, I am a priest. What I did? So, <laughs> there were total disconnection. There are many interesting examples of that. The other is where the personality changes and yet the memory remains. And that's for instance in yoga. Or even otherwise, we say, you know, I was like that. Personality has changed. But there is a memory which is there. That yes, I was like that. But I am no more. Because there is a completely new personality which has come into it. So here basically Shurabindu says that memory is uh, important, it strings the experiences together to an extent. But usually only in the past, there can be something of the future also. But this is the only way that in ignorance, the real self can construct some sense of I and some sense of the flow of time, continuity of time. Only way. But in the real self, all the three things exist together. The past, present and the future coexist. It's a beautiful experience. That the three are coexisting simultaneously. But outer self picks up this truth, replicates it, says, yes, yes, I am. Ego self. And yes, all the three coexist. See, this is stream of time running. I was that and I'm becoming this. So there is through memory, it picks up those experiences. There is a construct of personality. Which is nothing but bundle of habits, outer personality, and we give so much importance of strengthening this outer personality. And then, of course, others also strengthen. Oh, you are looking very good. Oh, you are so nice, so brilliant. This is all outer personality. Oh, you finished these studies. You are a doctor. You are this. None of this is our real self. So, it is a construct necessary. And in ignorance, through this play of time. So you see, even in ignorance, the construct is based on something true. In the true self, there is this simultaneity. The psychic knows also what is going to happen in the future, what is its true aspiration. But at the moment, it forgets. So it tries to construct the past and imagines the future. So this is the way it creates a continuity of time and gives the sense of self. So this is there and of course, this is so much more. But we'll just read a few things. Of course, a question Shubhindu raises, what is reality? The fact is, with our mind, which is construct of the ignorance, we cannot know reality. This is very logical to understand. What we can know is only the phenomenal reality. How things operate within this system. It is not that it is unreal. And he gives the example of, uh, we have already used this example of when we are on earth. So, we are, earth is not moving for our experience. But we know it is moving at a tremendous speed, both this way and in the whole. So, 
This is the immediate practical reality. Similarly, about the past, present and future compressed in one, we can take the example of a seed. The future is compressed within it, but it will unfold through a process of events and time. Okay, this is something very powerful. So I'll just read it. The inconscient to a perception is the beginning and the end. This from the chapter on knowledge and ignorance. The self-conscious soul seems hardly more than a temporary accident. A fragile blossom upon this green, dark and monstrous Aswat tree of the universe. The reverse Aswat tree. Original Ashwatri is from above, but this is the shadow, seems to emerge from the inconscient. Or, if we suppose the soul to be eternal, it appears at least as a foreigner, of an incognito of the imperishable. Shubhinda uses the word. Foreigner without passport and visa. God, you are trapped, you can't go back. You know, when you enter a country without a valid visa, somehow through some door you can enter you can't go back the moment you go back through the due process unless you take that other route so he says it appears at least as a foreigner an alien and not over well treated guest in the reign of this vast inconscience so you have to hide yourself conceal yourself if not an accident in the inconscient darkness it is perhaps a mistake now you see how Dangerous it is to quote Shirobindo. If you just quote this passage without reference to anything, it will look over oh, Shirobindo's views. No. He's stating this is how it appears. This is not the final truth. <laughs> and several, particularly the Life Divine, Savitri, these are books one should be very careful in. Passages are just put up without reference to things. If not an accident in the inconscient darkness, it is perhaps a mistake, a stumble downwards of the superconscient light. If, now see the qualifying truth, if this view of things had a complete validity, then only the absolute idealist sent perhaps out of some higher existence, unable to forget his mission, stung into indomitable enthusiasm by a divine estrus to create, he doesn't use the word to create. Divine mysteries are sustained in a calm and infinite fortitude by the light and force and voice of the unseen Godhead could persist under such circumstances in holding up before himself, much more before an incredulous or doubting world, the hope of a full success for the human endeavor. Doubting world. You tell the world, you know, this is going to be... You are from Ashram, Pondicherry, something to do with Shurabindra and the mother? Yes, okay, okay, we, we know about it. Because the world cannot even imagine such a possibility. I have had quite a brush with some such people. One of them like a Babaji and you know, all the devotees and said, because of people like you, <laughs> the Sephran has been, <laughs> he is revered like a guru with people. I said, have you even read Shurabindo, what you are talking about? So there are people like that who, you know, believe in all the self-sufficiency of knowledge. But true knowledge will give us the complete understanding of this, not only this and that, but this as that. That has become this. This we have to understand. 
and why it has become so and what is happening that is the test of truth actually for the most part men either reject it from the beginning or turn away from it eventually after some early enthusiasm as a proved impossibility which is the most illogical thing to do even if one person persists and fails does it mean he has failed forever if he truly believe in a soul and its return we'll say no this life is a preparation there are lives beyond and even if i fail the possibility is not a uh, unproven fact there are others who are striving who knows climbing on my shoulder somebody else may reach so wonderful to look at life in this large cosmic vision we are all the time you know wanting me 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 that's the problem so he says something very beautiful but still since there are these two sides of existence the ignorance of nature and the light of the spirit and since there is behind them the one reality the reconciliation or at any rate the bridging of the gulf forecast in the mystic parables of the veda ought to be possible the marriage of earth and heaven it is a keen sense of this possibility which has taken different shapes and persisted through the centuries the perfectibility of man an intuition that we carry all the time the perfectibility of society ram raj and you know kingdom of heaven what shelley dreamed vision and vain imagination deemed so satyug all this man has dreamed the alvars vision of the descent of vishnu and the gods upon earth the reign of the saints sadhu naam rajyam the city of god the millennium the new heaven and earth of the apocalypse but these intuitions have lacked a basis of assured knowledge and the mind of man has remained swinging between a bright future hope and a gray present certitude here we have to also understand knowledge and ignorance are not like light and dark between them there are shades of gray <laughs> so it is not like it is this or that the several shades through which humanity climbs and one of those shades of gray is when it is closing on to light but doesn't quite understand and dreams of a kingdom of heaven upon earth so that's where it is touching that dream world's heights beyond it is that mass of superconscious light the prakya where this reality is there that's why it's getting reflected in the mind but they don't know when how but they have had this intuition all acceptance of a defeat or our limitation start from the implied or explicit recognition first of an essential dualism and then of an irreconcilable opposition between that dual principle between the conscient and the inconscient between heaven and earth between god and the world between the limitless one and the limited many between the knowledge and the ignorance so this is people who accept defeat because basically they believe that they are two different realities but this is the most illogical thing to believe in how can there be two different reality but we have already spoken of that in the previous so all this he reveals to us and and in finally We'll read that last bit and then stop. So, what really is this ego sense? We have spoken of how it is constructed. It's nothing but a selection that um, 
actually the soul makes for a particular experience but that reference point is very deep so nature says okay i'll give you a scaffolding <laughs> so it builds a scaffolding it's like a house so the house is built is is house yours or separate no all earth is one but there is a need for an individual experience if i start roaming all over the earth that earth is one vasudev kutumbakam and knock at somebody's door even people who say vasudev kutumbakam and somebody knocks at the door says that you know who are you i am from the isis and you were saying vasudev kutumbakam i want to enter into your house and stay what are you going to do <laughs> see how these beautiful things can become so absurd we have to first grow into the self experience let the knower be so powerful that when a person like that comes you can either transform him or tell him yes but you are the one who is destroying vasudev kutumbakam possibility in mankind therefore for you the divine within me <laughs> seeks this answer and not welcome into the house <laughs> so see this is because one grows in that self consciousness but before that it's like a child must grow in the cradle you can't suddenly say you look into the light and suddenly start walking so it is the cradle in which the child is nursed even we can use the word prison like krishna born in a prison the true soul the ego sense is only a preparatory device and a first basis for the development of real self knowledge in the mental being why because of the individualization so individual souls must develop to a point where they can become conscious of the divinity and express it but in that passage there are lot of ifs and buts so the ego sense is constructed each life and dissolved there is no dr alok pande being born again gone so all this celebrating centenary or something one year after person has gone is the most foolish thing that person has gone probably he is smiling in some other mother's womb or looking from above and saying are this is not me <laughs> you knew my fraction just a surface personality if he looks at his photograph yes the greatest of beings is a different thing where they have infused their consciousness into the form but they are rare they should be there in the mother but without that just form personality is a construct so it is gone it goes away and then it will take a new formation so it is a construct required like a house is required for the householder to experience a pedestal a foothold but equally he can change the house does he change no he doesn't change he needs a wider space he has the equipment he does it then he says i want the widest of space so widest of space is okay i want to be in the ashram where i have you know a dining room in which 2000 10000 people can eat i have a wonderful swimming pool i have a playground where gods also come so if you tell somebody i am living in such a house they'll say are you sure yes who made this house for you mother oh you and your family yes but a very large family see this is the way you look at it so house becomes vaster you work for money for this house no no we don't work for money for this house we can't purchase it that's the best part how do you get it 
We just belong to her and she allots it. <laughs> so, the ego sense is only a preparatory device and a first basis for the development of real self-knowledge in the mental being. But it is evident that a self-knowledge based on the separative ego sense is imperfect and that no knowledge founded upon it alone or primarily or on a reaction against it can be secure or assured of completeness. Look at it, should be saying or a reaction against it. So, prematurely discard it completely and null. This says that cannot be a secure knowledge. Secondly, it is a knowledge only of being and becoming as limited to the individual self and its experiences. All the rest of the world is to it not self. Something that is to say which it does not realize as part of its own being but as some outside existence presented to its separate consciousness. Our surface existence is only a surface and it is there that there is the full reign of the ignorance. To know we have to go within ourselves and see within inner knowledge. He closes with this beautiful sentence. A psychic entity is there behind these occult activities. This surface imagination is a selection from the vaster, more creative and effective subliminal image building power of consciousness. So we have the surface personality, behind it is the subliminal which is occult to us and behind it is psychic entities there behind these occult activities which is the true support of our individualization. So ice cream is not the cover. It is not the cone. Don't be deceived by the cone. Don't go, sir, cone, which cone you will take? You won't, you won't say, Ki cone, you give me this one. Flavor, any flavor. No. Ice cream choice is by the flavor. I know, we know all this. So similarly, seeing the house, you cannot drive conclusions about the householder. He may build a big house, but may be a thief. Or may have inheritance. Hundred things. Blessed by fortune. So here comes, and yet, till he is there, the house and the householder are one and a part of each other. This we should not forget. So this double truth, a psychic entity is there, the ego is only an outward false substitute for it is this secret soul that supports and holds together our self-experience and world experience. The mental, vital, physical, external ego is a superficial construction of nature. It is only when we have seen both our self and our nature as a whole in the depths as well as on the surface that we can acquire a true basis of knowledge. Namaste. Uh, namaste, Alugda. Ah, yes, uh, so, uh, uh, so um, Sigmund Freud talked about uh, the subconscious and then Carl Jung kind of built on it further and talked about the collective unconscious and so on. But has there been much of a literature on subliminal aspects? And uh, could you refer some books around that, please? Yes, so uh, Freud spoke about the subconscious, but obviously... Uh, the good thing that came out of that was that dreams have a meaning. To that extent, it was, uh, uh, you know, needed for this world, that there is a meaning in the dreams. Uh, one of the first persons in, in modern thought from a scientific point of view, that dreams have a meaning is well known to the Greeks, uh, uh, Egyptians, India, all this. You know, we grew up with uh, what dream did you see and its meaning. So, but for the Western mind, which was completely submerged in a materialistic science 
and regarded all these dreams as meaningless. Yes, fraud brought in that element that yes, there is a meaning. But did he understand the meaning? No, not at all. Because he had certain fixed premises, certain fixed experiences. He had a framework to operate with. So psychoanalysis operates on the framework that at the root of civilization, there is eros and thanatos, the life and instinct and the death instinct. So the rest is all, uh, you know, if you ask me very frankly, um, I don't want to use a harsh word, but I have read Freud, uh, you know, understood psychoanalysis by practice, very, very limited. And Shurabindo had the last word saying that it's like, um, you know, entering into a dark dungeon with a candle light and um, <laughs> learning the ABC of that darkness. So one has to have the light to really understand because dreams are not just from subconscious, but subliminal, etc. Now, when uh, if you don't go into the terms, then what Jung spoke about, he did actually was speaking of teleological dream, for example. So that's where he parted from Freud. He spoke about archetypes and images, etc. So he was referring to uh, the subliminal where you can get images from the future to, to that extent. So he didn't use that word. But the word subliminal, now I forget, but it has been used by one of the Western psychologists and probably, you know, one can refer, it's not difficult to find. Uh, I had referred, I had read about it later. As far as uh, my reading went, first time I read it in Shurabindo. So, but the word subliminal was used um, in the sense that things which are repressed inside. So, to that extent, it is a word which has been used uh, that there are things which are repressed, suppressed, hidden. So it's a more generic term. Subconscious refers to below the threshold of awareness. Subliminal refers to behind the threshold of awareness. So uh, their full meaning and sense comes only in Shurabindo, who uh, distinguishes these two things. So subconscious, when it is said below the threshold of awareness, is like you know things which have been everything registers through the senses and every passing thing. It's the storehouse in which things have gone. But once you have put in the store, it remains there. It may undergo petrification, modification because of the inconscient. But the subliminal is a different entity. It is behind this, the outer mind, outer vital, outer emotions are trapped as it were in a kind of prison. But the subliminal has a much more plastic access to the universal. It's like freed from the cage of the outer personality and therefore it can enter into a vaster universal consciousness. So Jung's collective consciousness is not the universal consciousness. Uh, his problem was that, again, just as Freudian problem, we must understand. See, Jung came to uh, India and you know he was, uh, he was told to meet Raman Maharshi. But he was scared. He was scared that if he meets and you know he may undergo... The entire thought structure on which he was building a hypothesis. He was originally a friend of Freud and it may collapse. So he couldn't, you know, he couldn't really understand mysticism. But he carried something from India because he was drawn to mysticism. Maybe preparing for uh, spiritual evolution in another life. And therefore he uh, picked up few things. He also... Uh, said something very interesting and beautiful about the evolutionary aspect and people, you know, myths, he gave a very different understanding of myths, that myths do carry within them certain archetypes and those who are rooted well in myths can face life much better because they have a kind of holistic, spontaneous understanding of life, very intuitive understanding of life. Uh, he spoke of the teleological possibilities, dreams that can predict the future. But if I look at it in the light of Shurabindu and the mother, I have read both of them uh, a few books, it's very childish, honestly. I mean, it's like before a mountain of mountains, <laughs> some small little hillock. Yeah.
much better psychology is in frankly speaking which we don't refer to as books of psychology which i have been i tell my students and this i can speak with a reasonable authority when they ask sir which book to read on psychology as you were mentioning i tell them read the mahabharata and the ramayana you will get everything that you want of course they don't mention in psychology this layer that layer this is the mental way of understanding it there is a holistic way of understanding it mental way of understanding is over mind below that intuitive mind illumined mind higher mind and rational mind so people say what is the problem with that because it's not really like that it's a two dimensional representation of something which is all the time coexisting the super mind is hidden in matter now if you collocate it there it's also in the atoms it's the you know point where the indeterminate begins to be determined so this um, i'm not much in favor of that kind of a western literature process um, ramayana and the mahabharata are enough for psychology if someone wants an intellectual statement then uh, the best book on psychology is the bhagavad gita and of course the upanishads are there i'm leaving shurabindu and the mother aside for a moment because they are uh, you know if she krishna is yog yogeshwara I would say <laughs> for sure, Bindo is Ish Isheshwara. <laughs> so, if that word carries a meaning, but uh, the best is to read Mother everything that one needs to understand, one will know. Yeah. Yeah, Mananji, please go ahead with your follow-up question. Yeah. Okay. I have a uh, short follow-up question. So, the first time I heard subliminal uh, messaging was actually around twenty years ago in the context of what Coca-Cola tried to do during the movies. and then i also had heard that you know some rock bands like led zeppelin in one of their songs for example stay away to heaven they tried to incorporate some kind of a subliminal messaging so uh, in the parlance of shri arbindo's uh, subliminal uh, is it the correct use of wording or is it appealing to some other like subconscious or something advertising also yeah it is largely a subconscious yeah absolutely you're right this subconscious messaging where you don't outer mind doesn't register you know advertisement which come on tv channels and it's a, it's a subconscious messaging they use the word subliminal again as i said the terms are used interchangeably so very often the mind is not even seen there are plenty of things like that people even do studies like which way people turn in a um a store you know any store you go to walmart and you know or a providence mall so which way they turn so they did a study based on that you will see the stores are designed like that that you know you turn right and you this like even in well toilets which people turn mostly so they have studied this and realized that there are many habitual movements that we make and they are based on certain subconscious imprint so this like a coca cola advertisement as you rightly said this is a message to the subconscious it's very powerful it goes there and we have not noticed it sticks there and uh, when we go to pick up a drink uh, well the one which is all the time there so subliminal also picks up messages from the subconscious subliminal itself has three sources one is the subconscious from there it picks up messages another is from the superconscious and i'll can give you an example with regard to this and the third is from universal the same coca cola example So we go to a store where Coca-Cola, Sprite, and what not, Seven Up, and Thumbs Up, and everything is available. So when a person is normally in the subconscious mode, most of us, so the subliminal will pick up from the subconscious, throw it into the outer consciousness, and we'll pick up the drink, not knowing why we did it. Um, but the same person, because he is intuitively open to a higher light, spontaneously feels that no, I shouldn't pick it up. 
and he resists. Now, what is the truth behind it? This intuitive sense, there was there is a real story where the mother actually told Taradi, you would know, she will tell you the story in very she was totally against these kind of, you know, uh, I'm using the word against in a qualified sense, in the sense that all kinds of these soft drinks, they're very harmful. Now, this was, that time, nobody outwardly had told that, you know, there is so much sugar in it, Coca-Cola, if you take, you know, uh, so much sugar in it. Coca-Cola, the name came originally because cocaine was put in it, because that's how, you know, that time they didn't know it is habit forming. But she knew and very intuitively she said this is this should not be done. So this is a subliminal messaging really, you know, from the superconscious. Because she is embodying superconscious, so it was very easy for her to say that. But equally a person going uh, to a store may make a choice, may feel drawn towards uh, the Coca-Cola and last minute may say, why not I pick up fresh fruit juice? So this is how the subliminal is a meeting point of from there and then there is the universal, the collective suggestion which we don't un- know. Collective suggestion of death, collective suggestion with regard to illness. It is a messaging all over cancer. Even when we celebrate cancer week, this cancer study, basically we are throwing this image of cancer suggestion in everybody's mind. People go for cancer screening, not realizing they are entering actually into that cancerous web. And all this is done in good way, faith that you know it is going to help people. Do you realize that how many more cancer cases we have today, which we had not heard as children when we grew up? People say, no, no, they must have had, but they lived a normal life, full life. Of course, somebody dies, there is some occasion, something. So, there is also the universal. But in the universal, there are all kinds of things again. There may be, that's why one person with a very powerful thought like the Buddha, this another subliminal messaging is perfect example from the universal, the Buddha. He says that we should send a thought of love in every direction. Now, if you are a Buddha and send a thought, it is so overpowering that it will override all the, cut through all the such. Buddha is a mighty, um, you know, mighty Ashurabindu says in terms of action. So just by sitting and sending this thought, that goes into the subliminal of humanity and it begins to change. So subliminal is the trivening of the subconscious, the superconscious and the universal around Sir, uh, can you elaborate a little more on the dream state where we, when we experience dreams, it feels, while experiencing them, it feels very much real. And the second type of hallucination where our mind constructs images which seem as if they are real. So in both cases, to the precipient consciousness which is experiencing, they are real. In both cases. So now the question arises, what kind of reality it represents? So the first thing to understand is in dream as well as hallucination, it is another mode of receiving reality. But is it reality that a person who is hallucinating is receiving? No, it is the mind because of the action of ignorance, it is distorting it. So see, this is the fundamental difference in Shurbindo's understanding of reality and uh, you know, the typical way Shankara is understood. Uh, Again, I am not going into the semantics of it. But the way typically illusionism is understood that this world is nothing but a a non-existent reality. It's like a fiction. Uh, and we have already talked about all the ifs and buts of that fiction. But it's a fiction. So the only way is you come out of it. And surely if it's a fiction, you have to come out of it. It's like you enter into a building where a horror show is going on. You feel it's a horror. You step out because it's something which is, none of it is real. Like, uh, you know, that 
London, you enter into that uh, horror show in Madame Tussauds Museum. So this is one way to look at it. But the other way, what Shurabindu says, it's a distortion. It's not that there is nothing. So that's what he reveals in hallucination, that it's not that there is nothing. There is something, but it is received by the uh, precipient consciousness because, say, a state of fear, in a state of fear, and its classic example is there in uh, in the Mahabharata, as I said, Mahabharata is a wonderful book of psychology. And uh, uh, there you see this, um, uh, you know, but by the way, one of the best books of Mahabharata, Shabindo recommended is Kali Prasanna. I think it is still available online. I don't know. Somebody can try it. I checked for it. Original is Bengali. So don't read Peter Brooks and all those trash stuff. So now in this, uh, you know, in Gita, you see Visharup Darshan is given at two points. Not only in the in, in, in Mahabharata, not only during Gita. It is given in the Gita to Arjuna. But even before that, it is given to in the Kuru Sabha, when he goes as Shanti Dut. Now there, they couldn't understand what is this. Even Duryodhana, he started saying, he is he's, uh, playing with me, he is a trick, he is a trickster, all that he said. So his response was based on his fundamental presumption of what reality is. The same Krishna who is there. And he's showing him that, look here, your future is, you know, uh, look inside me, I'll show you your future. You know, captured by that wonderful poetry. Ha, Duryodhan, bandh mujhe janjir badi ke laya hai. Ya dek pavan mujh mein le hai. Ya dek anal mujh mein le hai. And at the end he says, Veeron se pati hui bhu hai. He shows him how he is going to die. But he doesn't believe it because, you know, that is the fundamental. But then the same vision, of course, uh, that is described much more magnificently in the Gita. Because of the precipient consciousness and he is given that special opportunity. When Arjuna sees the same vision, he responds differently to the same reality. First he is afraid and then because the time vision is put in front and then he is full of delight. The same vision also Sanjay sees apparently. What does Sanjay say? He says, Rajan, I am sure wherever there is Krishna and Arjuna, there is victory. Same we see with Rama entering into. So this hallucination is, there is an error because the consciousness has gone into the sinkhole of suspicion, fear, a world there. So when it sees a construct, it sees the right thing, but it misinterprets it, it superimposes its own constructions, brings its own fear, distorts reality, gives it a very perverted shape sometimes. Uh, this is what is uh, a mental hallucination. And sensory hallucination, again, because there could be just a physical condition. The senses are not reporting correctly. Uh, I have had this as a child when I had you know, smallpox. I remember, but it, they were actually reporting correctly. I saw streams of snakes all over the wall, rushing into me. And I was telling to my mom and dad, snakes are coming and they were feeling so helpless. Because, you know, they, they knew there are no snakes. They kept telling me there are no snakes. I said, they are coming. They are here. I can see them. And I still remember seeing them. Plenty of those small cobras rushing. Now I understand they were hostile forces. But that time I didn't know. And they were trying to call God's name and constantly reassuring me, rubbing my leg. No, 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 no. Nothing. Don't worry. There are no snakes. I am telling you there are no snakes, only momentary relief. But again one would see that. Later on of course, uh, uh, wonderful visions which uh, is of course a grace. So this is a kind of sensory organs for a moment can be overpowered by reality of another order. And they escape from the trapdoor of the material world. 
So what we see here is nothing but a habitual response of the sense organ which has been constructed by nature to receive reality in a certain way. But it's not reality. So there are moments when it can withdraw. Normally we withdraw in the dream world and experience reality in a different mode. Not that that is the ultimate truth, but we experience it. Symbolic dreams are there where we can you know, see things, events which are happening within us. We can see things happening in other people. So it is a world where we enter into a world of symbolic images and symbolic messages. Universe is trying to tell us something. God is trying to communicate us something. Our own soul is trying to communicate us something. So, but there also, unless the consciousness is purified, we won't get the correct image. And yes, in visions again, we may see things. But again, it doesn't mean that every vision we see is the real thing. Because the mind is still the instrument. And the mind may interpret it. It may see, um, even Hitler saw Asura of falsehood and he felt it is God why because he had a flashing helmet and he saw it is you know. <laughs> so that's why in yoga unless the consciousness is purified quietened and there is the psychic emergence which alone knows truth from falsehood invariably there will be mixtures because of this the Buddha discarded the entire paraphernalia he said whether you experience things in the waking consciousness or in visions and dreams discard it completely because his object was to come out. He said, don't get involved into this. Mahayana Buddhism did not. It picked up and constructed a whole world of uh, subtle realities. So, dream world, visions and hallucinations. They are all, there is something real. There is the action of the senses, gross or subtle. And there is the construct of the mind. All three things come together. Constructs of the mind may be built on hopes, fears, wishes, things from the subconscious. All this comes mixture and presents a dim reality and also hallucination. So, interpretation of them is very difficult. Yes. Thank you so much, sir, for uh, today's lecture and clarifying our doubts. So, with this, we have reached the end of today's lecture and now we will observe a minute of silence and then we can call it.